Are we not the bestest of friends already? Only in media. everyone and welcome to the stargazing podcast before we get in, i just want to say you know we've met as a podcast we, we know what's wrong we we know what's wrong and we're going to fix it we, we know what's wrong mark uh, how's it going it's going well <laughs> i i was i was real pleased with that defending big d team meeting that we had there i think we got everything out on the table and we should be ready to go i, I like where we're at i like this group yeah, well, it's, uh, except we're missing a few, apparently. So, yeah, there's there's some goings on. Of course, you know, we'll, we'll we'll dive right in a little behind the curtains. We're recording this one awfully late. We we were originally going to take a week off, but then the stars went and did what they did Wednesday night, and um, then did what they did on Thursday, and we felt like we needed to to gather the crew together and, and have a little talk about it. So. We'll talk about the last game, obviously. We'll talk about some of the player movement and where the heck the stars go from here as, as we lumber towards uh, lumber towards American Thanksgiving. So, yeah, we'll, we'll start with um, – I guess, Mark, where do you want to start? Well, I, I forgot everything about the game with what happened today. So uh, I, I'd say let's start, with, uh, let's start with the forward group. That's uh, kind of weird. Yeah, big news, of course, is um, Tanner Caro and Blake Como placed on waivers. And I believe I've, I've been hunting for confirmation. I don't know that they've announced exactly who's coming back up, but it looks like Peterson and Tuft are, are the ones that, that look like they might be tagging him with the big club. Is I know the first part is true. Have you any idea on the second? Um, I have seen Tufty. So uh, you know, I haven't seen anything about Peterson with both clubs in – uh, in Texas for the for the next foreseeable future, at least, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if they at least go a game or so here with just uh, 12 forwards up and try and build up a little cap space. I mean, they might. And, and the other bit, of course, is is that with realistically, right, it's not they're sending two forwards through waivers. They're not exactly clearing two slots in actual games. Tanner Caro had been kind of in and out. So realistically, right, Blake Como was a regular and Caro was subbing in from time to time. So it's more like one and a half roster spots cleared up. Um and then let me yeah, I mean, let me Yeah, please. Well it's I, I'm just looking at it. It's a, it's about nine thousand dollars a cap space a day. So I think the stars have one road game in the next two weeks and the uh, Dallas has has one road game in the next two weeks and, and Texas has zero in the next two weeks. So this is a perfect time where they can, in essence, keep their healthy scratches down in Cedar Park and let them play some games down there and, and build up a little cap space, which they need. Yeah. And, and that, I guess that will start there. So what do you, why, why would Dallas build cap space at this point, in your opinion? Well, I, I think mainly for flexibility. They're mm-hmm. they're sitting close to to the top, and you never know what's going to happen down the road as far as injuries or, or you know, cap space is a bankable thing. And so the more you have, the better. And so for flexibility's sake, there's absolutely no reason not to do this. Now it certainly explains Caro because you now Caro can go get a couple games in down in Cedar Park. And uh, he probably wasn't going to play up in Dallas anyway. So why not move him on down? Now, that, that one's pretty straightforward as far as I'm concerned. The, the question is, and, and the big deal is, is Blake Como. And you know, this is just out of left field. 
I mean, it, it, the funny thing about the Dallas Stars is that in my, it feels like it simultaneously is out of left field and also isn't, right? Because he's been a security blanket for this coaching staff since the FCC days. They, you know, of course, re-upped him in the offseason. And it does, it, in that respect, it is strange to see him not be a part of the group. But from a performance standpoint, it's, it's pretty defensible, wouldn't you say? I would think so. Uh, you know, I, I I'll, I'll play the devil's advocate just slightly here in that that uh, that Como Glendening and Raffle line was was one of the few uh, positive lines that we've had over the you know since they got formed. If you take a look at what they were putting together on natural stat trick, but uh, you know it's a it's a fourth line guy, um, uh, part of the leadership group, and uh, if they're trying to generate offense, uh, it certainly wasn't coming from there. Well then, and I guess then let's 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 go there because the other part of me is saying, okay, well, what is the, you know, you've sent down a guy, and I don't I don't have the ice time ahead of me, but it was he was among you know the lower played, I think he was at the nine or so minute mark, um, did not play a lot uh, against uh, during the last against Nashville, as you mentioned, fourth liner, he is part of the leadership group. He isn't really, what is what is the real impact of sending down a player like? like Blake Como. Well, I mean, if nothing else, I think it shakes things up. And a lot of this, uh, I think, has to do with one out, what went on in that players-only meeting. And, you know, it's, it's pure speculation at this point, but I would expect that there was a veteran come-to-Jesus talk there that says, hey, what are we trying to do here? Are, are we going to actually try and win, or are we going to get paychecks? And, and I think they came down on the side, let's win, and okay, what's it going to take to make that happen? And there are no sacred cows. And, and, and then I would have expected that that player group would have gone to management and say, you know, we're, we're dedicated. We're ready to go. Um, we need some offense. Yeah. And it's, it's, I, I hear that, you know, and, and, and I guess that's where I get the, the thinking of, you know, Peterson probably being on that list. Tufty's had a, a very, he had a strong camp. Um, he had a strong start to the season. So maybe they're coming in, but but I keep coming back to how does, I, I, I am having trouble beyond this, this move feels to me like Jamie Ben fighting a third pairing defenseman in that I am being told and not, not by like literal people, but, but, you know, it is, it is presented to me as a way to shake the group up as a way to motivate, as a way to drive the team forward, right? All of those things. But the part that I'm grappling with is, is at the end of the day, Blake Como wasn't, if, if Blake Como was a part of Dallas's offensive struggles to this point during the season, then Holy hell is Dallas already sunk this season. Right? So the part that I'm having trouble wrapping my head around is, Beyond the, you know, in the room impact, right? Beyond the intangible stuff, I'm, I'm just having trouble seeing how things change meaningfully without well, Como in the lineup. Let, let me throw a hypothetical out there. Um, if, if you're saying there are no sacred cows, um, having what what you consider to be a, a coach's favorite uh, put on waivers uh, kind of sends a message to the team that. If, if you aren't willing to do what it takes, uh, and that is bring energy, be prepared, uh, if, you, if you aren't ready to do that, you don't necessarily have the space here. Because if Como can go, you can go. I mean, it'd be, that would be a, 
a nice message, and I'm not I'm not fixating on Como. How many podcasts have we had so far this season where we've talked about the exact same problems that manifested Wednesday night against the Nashville Predators? So it's it's one of those. I am glad that they're doing something at least, but in terms of these two moves, I'm going to need to be convinced that this particular move does anything to change the fact that the Dallas offense went 12 minutes without a shot on goal in the first period against the Nashville Predators. Well, like that's, that's where I'm having trouble wrapping my head around. It's like, it is, it to me seems awfully suspect that that's like, I'm going to need to see what happens next. Is I right. guess what uh, understood. And I mean, watching the games, I can't help but feel that the team is kind of going through the motions. There has been, and there has been a lack of intensity. There, there hasn't been any urgency out there that says that we need to raise, we need to raise our level of play yeah. and start taking the game to everybody else. It's like they they've almost come to believe that if we do if we do a that leads to b that leads to c then the success will come and that hasn't worked and so well, it's, it's, you, you can it's either the, you can either go ahead i was going to say it's the it's the minnesota it's it's the radulov versus minnesota wild mentality and this right. team's for as long as i can remember this team's modus has been they'll punt a period sometimes even two periods mount a frantic comeback and either it works or it doesn't work and they talk about oh how the ottawa game just this past season right the the even parts of the boston game right they'll 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 they will put themselves in a position, even heck, even the Nashville game before the internetter, right? They'll put themselves in a position where they have this mirage, frantic sprint to the finish line, and then talk the, the you know the the joke that I made at the time was, we're just all going to see the third period, see them play pretty well, and then pretend that the first and second period didn't happen. Right, and, and it's the same thing that we saw in the in the great playoff run. Uh, you you bring it you bring it at a certain point you get those key goals at key times and all of a sudden you're on the winning end as opposed to the losing end but that that margin for error will come back and bite you especially if you're throwing it out there every single night you're playing yeah and they've certainly been doing that this has not been the start i think anyone envisioned um anyone envisioned for the season so caro's out como's out you know, put your put your Swami hat on, your your prognosticating spectacles, whatever you want to call it. Um, old Johnny Carson reference, dating myself a little bit, but <laughs> what happens? We we've talked about you know the call ups that look likely. In in your opinion, in terms of on the ice, do you see any further meaningful changes? Like what ha- what happens the next time this team takes the ice? Well, I think I think we're pretty much set. I, I think Tufty takes Como's spot. On the uh, on the fourth line, uh, he does bring some things that uh, that I think are useful. But on the other hand, he also he does penalty kill. He can do fourth line minutes. He's been groomed for that role for that role, and and has done very well over the last month down in Texas in that role. Um, he also brings a little bit of skill. He scored several goals this year with uh, with Texas on breakaways. He's also been you know he, he's gotten a lot of garbage goals where he just kind of camps out in a you know six five six six sitting in front of a goaltender. That's uh, that that can be very useful, and he's picked up some some gravy goals that way. So there are some things that Tufty brings. I think that uh, that that could be useful. 
But on the other hand, it really needs to come from the rest of the group and the rest of the group needs to bring the urgency and they need to hit the ice. And, you know, I, I hate to say it, but, you know, play, play together. Uh, it's not a one man game times 12. Uh, They need to, they need to stop, start doing things that, uh, that allow them to be a little better than the individual, some of their parts. Yeah. It's, it's, they need to stop vanishing, right? I think every, every game this season has, has where show me, you know, show me the 60 minute effort, show me the bell to bell performance. Even the good games have had stretches where Dallas kind of drifts out, um, loses control of things. I mean, that was, that was Nashville. They took a hiatus. They had, you know, the, the best chance to start the game two minutes in, and then they had a fantastic chance with about four minutes left in the period when Miro almost danced the entirety of the Nashville defense. And, and in between those two points, they did effectively nothing. And yeah, you know, when, when this was height of their powers, you know, Sagan Ben Radulov or Sagan Ben Spezza before that, you could you could get away with turning it into a 20-minute hockey game and expecting your one line to eke it out. But it just it doesn't seem like this team has that ability, right? Right? It doesn't it doesn't seem like they're there. And all too often they're they're just you know, they're they're not close they're either getting scored on late to tie it or they're coming up just short in a rally and it's just not uh it's just not working. Right, and they they only have a limited number of guys who know how to take the puck off the boards and turn it around and create offense off that. You know, in my ideal world, I would I would like to see the Stars play a much more aggressive pinch from the point. But in order to do that, what they need to do is have faith that there's going to be a forward back, so you aren't giving up the odd man rushes. Yeah. And when they've done that, they've been highly successful and it gets people playing toward the net as opposed to facing the boards. And if this team does that, they, they'll be they'll be better and they'll also shoot better because they, they won't be uh, they won't just have this, you know, here here's my one shot that I'm going to get for the next 20 minutes. And so I better be extra careful with it and put it in the perfect spot. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that that's and and that might solve as well some of the overpassing we're seeing some of the the looks that are are not being taken right now and and you know some of the stuff that's winding up in their own net eventually right the shots yeah. not taken all the the uh i believe it was raffle raffle was on a uh, two on one and did one minute it looks like dallas is going to generate a, a fantastic scoring chance the next they're down three to one or yeah the next they're down i think it was three to three nothing at that point might have been three to one i don't at all blurs together but um two other two other moves i want to talk about um you know the other one being uh, it seems like after a brief cameo uh, thomas harley is heading back down to the texas stars which i gotta admit that one surprised me a little bit it, it surprised me too i i had mentioned earlier on on a twitter comment that i was fully expecting if they were saving cap that we were going to see joel hanley move down and so uh it made sense to get it down to 7D, but I didn't think Harley was the one who was going to go. I thought he'd look pretty good, and I, I'm kind of with everybody else's comments. It's like you start him for one shift with uh, with Miro, and then you move him with Hawk and Paw, and that's not really what you're looking to do. No, I mean this this to me, and I I know I know nothing. I admit that freely, but this to me screams. We now are in the phase where the coaching staff is more concerned about tomorrow than the long term because they may not have a long term. And this this to me screams that 
that they don't they feel that they don't have the time to work out the kinks of Harley with with Miro, and so they're they're going back to the tried and true. And yeah, and it's it's unfortunate because frankly, I, th- I thought some of their brighter moments, not against Nashville because they went away with it, but there there have been some real positives with the Harley Haskin and pairing and the flexibility that gives the stars the de- uh, stars defense in transition. And I I was a skeptic at the start of the season. I was a believer when they called Harley up, and now I'm I'm it again. It just it smacks to me. I, I think they're I think they're bailing on it too early because of other pressures. Yeah, but you know, on the other hand, you you do have this opportunity where both teams are are, are pretty close for the next uh, for yep. the next couple of weeks. So you know, if if uh, if Harley goes down and plays the weekend series against Colorado, and and he could be right back up. Now this is this is one of the things you do. You you sit down with a player and you say you need to work on this. Go go put it. You know, go implement it. Uh, we'll we'll see how comfortable you are with it. And the next thing you know, you're you're yep. back with the big club. We so, saw it with Vince. We saw it with Guryanov. Yeah. We we've seen Dallas do this before. Um, and then the other the other and sorry, I don't, I don't want to move move too briefly. If there's anything else you want to to get get off your chest on this one before I move on to the next. Well, I mean, the the other thing is is if you if if you keep Harley in the current role, you you end up with a bunch of moving parts, and I think mm-hmm. maybe the stars are trying to fix their forwards. And if you're fixing your forwards and your defenders at the same time, you're not really sure what's yep. driving the change. And and so that's the you know, I, I I hate to uh, attribute that kind of uh, that that kind of depth to the to the kind of thought that goes into these kind of things. It may be way overthinking things, but if I'm designing an experiment, I'm isolating what I'm changing. Yeah, I mean that's not that's not unfair. There's I, and I think that comes the the ultimate. Uh, on this this particular move is I think in in many ways it's the same argument we were having to start the season uh, there are, there are multiple sound reasons to send him down and to have him be in Cedar Park and those reasons are more immediate than the also good reasons to have him up in Dallas so you know it's you you've once again talked to me a little bit off the ledge on that one even though I would contend that, that this this particular roster even right now today is better off with Harley in the lineup than with Harley out of it right and and you can next time you need to plan ahead and bring David on so that you both can beat up on me because he he'd be he'd be right on your side which is weird because I've I've been a Harley in the A guy since the start of the season, but he really opened my eyes with some of his play earlier in the road trip. Now the the other move I wanted to talk about, and this is where we get into tinfoil hat crazy speculation, but um, the other roster move is the Texas Stars have recalled goaltender Adam Shield from Idaho, and all yeah. of a sudden the Texas Stars have three goaltenders. And while I would Definitely, I'm not going to say that Holtby was the problem. I don't think that's the case at all. A lot of the the shine has come off of his numbers to start the season. And of course, Hudobin has has started the year much like he finished last year, kind of that, that inconsistent kind of fighting it. And all of a sudden, you have a, an AHL team carrying three goaltenders, which is fairly unusual, and a prospect that's largely played pretty well in the A so far, um, sitting down in Cedar Park and and is is the Dallas crease turning into an area of interest? Uh, maybe um, I uh, you talk about uh, a little regression on on the part of uh, uh, of Holtby. Uh, uh, Otter's kind of regressed a little bit down in Texas as well. 
you know, he got off to an incredible start. And the last couple of games have been a little more shaky. Um, so I, I'm kind of looking this more as Shields. Shields been really solid uh, with Idaho. And yeah, his, I, I don't have the numbers in front, but Shields last six starts, I believe, have all been fantastic. Yeah, no, I mean, it's, you know, Idaho, Idaho is a great team. And you know, so, you know, you have to take a little bit of that into account. But I wouldn't be surprised if maybe uh, Colton Point goes back down to uh, to Boise. Um, but we'll see. I, I think some of this is Point's only played one game so far this year. He, he played very well in it. But Otter's been carrying the whole load. And maybe this is just a, a, a continuation. I think they, the, the Stars view Sheil as the number two guy uh, at Cedar Park. And he was a little shaky um, in, in, you know, in the in the prospect tournament and, uh, and yeah. he had a rough camp and and maybe this is just hey he got his stuff back together with with the steelheads and now he's ready to be back in the AHL and and maybe we'll get more of a you know a, a 60 40 or a 75 25 split between Ottinger and Shield as opposed to Ottinger just carrying the whole load yeah, that could be it because I think you're right. This does touch on, you know, long-term Shield has been the the same the same minds that were sort of of envisioning Jake Ottinger taking the main job up in Dallas are, are also sort of shrugging and thinking, well, you know, the, the tandem of the future is Shield behind Ottinger. So it makes sense to get them together. And it seems like he did he did play well in the start. That's that's absolutely fair. But in the broader terms, Colton Point hasn't exactly been a big part of the plan here for a while, right? He's, he's kind of right. been a guy. Yeah, exactly. I mean, he's, he's kind of, you know, when, when he got sent down the first time to Idaho, uh, Thomas Scholl, who was, uh, who was down there kind of took his job back. Uh, when, when point was given every opportunity to, uh, to take it. So, you know, point, I think has made some really good progress over the last year, but, uh, I, you know, he's, he's number five or number six down the chart. And, and so he's filling a role and, and I don't think anybody expects anything beyond that. Yeah. Yeah. It's, 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 um, ugh. I think that's, that's probably right. Although there is, there is a, a fan, there is a part of me wearing victory green that imagines Ottinger riding his white horse up I-35 and saving the day. But again, I think, you know, you made the point it's, 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 he hasn't been Holtby this speaking of, he hasn't been the absolute, you know, brick wall over the last couple of games that he was to start the season. But at the end of the day, I think that the problems of this team fall on the forward group right now. That, yeah. And pretty, pretty, you can, you can talk about some stuff with Suter's game and, and some penalties and not a lot of production. And that's fair. You know, Hockenpah's had his moments and that's fair. But at the end of the day, the reason that this team is struggling is the forwards. And right. if that doesn't get fixed, nothing else is really going to matter. Right. If your goaltenders are giving up two or three goals a night, they're, they're, they're mostly doing their job. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you, you, you kind of come to expect that every once in a while somebody's going to just stand on their head and steal one, and that hasn't happened yet. So you know maybe maybe that's what this team needs is a goaltender to throw up a, a goose egg up on the board and uh, and let them know that uh, that hey it's not all on you, but that's one game and and ultimately you need to be able to put the puck in the net and they haven't done it and you know the goaltenders are doing what they you know they aren't underperforming. No. 
No, I think I, I think that if you're if you're the Dallas Stars and, and you're looking at your crease situation, I have a very hard time finding any concerns fall like you you checked right now even even with Hudobin being a little bit wild right I think you look at the crease and, and kind of say you know what I'm gonna I'm gonna deal with my other problems right now and this is gonna be fine yep yep Ugh, what a situation what a situation yeah. so I know <laughs> amongst all of that it's it's you know Philadelphia comes into town on Saturday night uh then it's then it's Detroit on Tuesday so you know the 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 other sad part about all this is, of course, we lamented last season. Of course, Dallas was struggling. They didn't have any time to practice. Didn't have any time to heal. Didn't have any time for that. This season has been the opposite case. There's been ample rest between games. Ample time. You know, the the Nashville free fall right came after a day's rest and then a full day's good practice. So it's one of the more frustrating things is is we've been led to believe that two of the things that waylaid this team last year were kind of health and and schedule and. By and large, those haven't been problems this year, and the team is still struggling. So it's it's been a uh, uh, it's been it's it's been the times to try men and women's souls for sure. Yep. Yeah. I mean the the thing that I keep coming back to on the forward side is that going into the season, I fully expected the team to put together at least three lines that could score, mm-hmm. and and that went away fairly quickly and and with all the line juggling that's gone on we've really not come back to to having three offensive threat lines and i think there's something to that Mm -hmm. um and and i hope that uh, that we get back to it because i think that can be pretty potent i'm just worried that we will there's you know the bone bonus made some comments i think it was last this past week talking about you know they they spent all of training camp looking at Jamie Jamie Ben as a center and they had success last year with Jamie Ben as a center and they've already gone away from it and he's made some comments about how he didn't feel that it was working and then he also talked about ice time and minutes distribution and if he plays Jamie Ben at center he doesn't get him so it's it i i agree with where i agree with you in terms of where the team should be but i'm I'm just not hearing anything I like right now in terms of of how the the actual pieces are being arranged, and too many of those pieces are misfiring anyway. So it's just right now it's it's hard to see where this team can get two effective offensive lines, let alone three. Well, I, I on paper they have all sorts of effective offensive lines. The problem yeah. is it doesn't translate onto the ice. Sure hasn't been. Yeah. Although Heinz did finally get off the Schneid, he's he's on the board and it counted and everything. Did did you see did you see that momentary look of worry when they thought that there might be a review? <laughs> yeah, I, I saw it because I was feeling it myself. Yep. Yeah. I held my well, breath until the puck dropped, but he's he's off the board, so you have to hope that maybe, you know, it's it's the same thing. Again, right? The the, frust- the most frustrating thing about this this stretch of schedules, you can really copy paste what we're saying about the Nashville game about any other Dallas game, and you you just hope that regression starts to hit, and that now that that Heinz is Hintz is untracked, he starts putting him in the back of the net. But frankly, you could say that about the entire rest of the offense, and it's just not it's just not working out that way. Yep, yep. And uh, you know, the scary part is you still have Tyler Sagan leading the team in goals. Yeah, and the the even scarier part for me is imagine where this team would be if you didn't have Miro Haskin and scoring a point a game. Yeah, no the, kidding. The, the the Dallas offense is in the absolute gutter, and they have a point per game player on the back line, and that's that is insane to me. And 
it's it's they they got to fix it quick. They're they're losing ground. You know, you you, can't, you just can't play 500 or less hockey and and make the playoffs. They're they're going to have to start stringing some wins together. Now it's it's not quite. Thankfully, they've they've managed to lose enough and, and fight to overtime enough and, and kind of pick up points here and there. So it's not quite as severe a situation as the you know Arizonas and Chicago's of the world. But at the same time, as an NHL team with supposed aspirations, if you are in the it's not quite as bad conversation with the likes of Arizona and Chicago, then things have gone very, very wrong for you. Yep. And, uh, you know, it's still early enough. I mean, you take a look. Nashville's just had a back-to-back against Dallas and St. Louis. They won both of them. And all, all of a sudden, they're they're right in the mix-up at the top of the chart. So, you know, yeah. th- th- there's there's time. But uh, there is. If, but it's if, like if, the... you, if you don't bank them, if you don't bank them now, you're going to be fighting for them later. Yep. And it's like the play. I, I remember that having this conversation last season down the stretch when Dallas had all those games in hands and, it, and the conversation was, yeah, Dallas is, you know, they're way back, but they've got six games in hand. Yeah, they're way back, but they've got five games in hand. Yeah, they're way back, but they've got three games, you know, and it just you, you got to you got to win them at, at yep, some point. You got to win. Next them. thing you know, you're next thing you know, you're out on the golf course watching other people play hockey. Yep. So we'll see. Um, we'll see how the lineup changes manifest with with Nakomo and Caro and Harley out of out of the the picture for right now. Although your point about the teams both being on home stands makes me think that it, of that trio, Harley might be Harley might want to go ahead and gas the old car up um, and be ready for uh, be ready for a call. But we'll we'll just see. It's it's getting um, it's getting to that point. They've they've played the they've played the player personnel move. And, you know, there's there's a pretty linear playbook when you you talk about hockey teams struggling and and what they do to fix it. So they've they've played the first move and and we'll see if that works. And if it doesn't, then we'll we're on to more severe actions. Right. And it's Dallas Stars hockey. If you can't be entertaining on the ice, be entertaining off it. Well, they're certainly certainly pushing towards the latter. But thanks for thanks for standing up late. We'll we'll follow up real. We'll, we'll finish off real quick with again. We mentioned Philadelphia on Saturday. What's give give me? It can be the score. It can be anything. Give me give me a prediction for that game. Oh, Philly is going to beat us in overtime. So you you think that 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 was where I was going to go? So Dallas, of course. Right now is, and I've done my own research, so I could be wrong, but as far as I can tell, the NHL record for consecutive, sorry, games without a regulation win to start a season is held by the 1943-44 New York Rangers. And after losing to Nashville, I believe that Dallas is now three games off of that record. So they've they've got, uh, we talked about they've got Detroit. Uh, they've got Philadelphia, and then they've got Detroit. Uh, and then, then they have Minnesota. Minnesota. Then they have Minnesota, and and the first regulation win is going to come against Minnesota. We're going to be down pretty big, and Radulov is going <laughs> to do something incredible, and all of a sudden, all will be better. I yeah yeah. I, I almost you know I don't even know how I feel about that. <laughs> <laughs> hey, lightning can strike twice, right? There you go. It, anything ha- anything can happen. I, I love the prediction. I I don't know. I I we'll we'll see. I think in terms of in terms of predictions, I I'm going to make a real sad one, and I don't think anything. I, I think we're going to see those same forward units we've been seeing. Um, I, I think the big the big prediction is going to be a a magician sleight of hand waiver move with two players that aren't major contributors, and and at the end of the day. 
whether it's the right decision or not, it, it really feels like this team is in ride or die mode with the guys they have. It's the Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead moment. They're just going to keep flipping the coin and, and see if it keeps coming up heads. And, and that's, that's the plan right now is where well, I'm at emotionally. Here, here's something to look for, and I, I need to pull it all together. But if I remember right, there, there's some writing on what Philadelphia does with their neutral zone play. And, and unlike most teams, Philadelphia tends to uh, play two up front and push the play to the middle. So, and, and by doing so, pressure the D to D passes. So, uh, so we'll kind of take a look and see how that plays out with our defensive core. We will certainly see, and we'll hope for better luck. And, and again, thanks to uh, thanks for joining us this this late night, KT. Thanks for staying up to record, and all of you out in listener land, download us, like us, hit us up on the socials. We're uh, we're here for you in this time of great need. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Take it easy.